those are my birthday loads. We're recording on my birthday. I just fired some fat loads. I just made babies. <laughs> Happy birthday, John. John officially would not fuck himself because he is 12 years old today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestler Review. My name is Dylan Gott. That's John Hastings. I'm a big yeah. stupid idiot because I'm Dylan. Before today, baby. Ooh, 34 years old. Ooh, maybe uh, trade you in for two 17-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the real Jerry Lawler of the podcast, Dylan. I used to do that when... Uh, my favorite was uh, Alexis would turn ages that were disgusting to say that about, and then I would say it. <laughs> <laughs> She's 24, traitor in for two 12-year-olds, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I like it when they're confused. I can mm, teach them anything. Open it up. I was about, anyway, my I was name about is to Dylan. say something about uh, bursting a hymen that was the worst thing I've ever thought in my entire life. Ooh, yeah. Pop it like a champagne. Mm, it's like tearing through paper. <laughs> we, as the weeks and years have passed, we've what been shifting more to pedophilia. But sadly, dose. based on how this show began in the first few episodes, are, as opposed to the more recent... Yeah, basically, we're, we're doing the inverse of the alt-right. <laughs> They're digging deeper, and we're trying to crawl out of the chasm. <laughs> exactly, baby. Oh, we're continuing our Stephanie McMahon saga. This week is part four. <laughs> I say that as a question mark because after seven parts of Billy Gunn, it really is all blending into one show. Yeah, and the, yeah, it's I think part four: invasion, engagement, beginnings. Yeah, it's part four, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to part four. Yeah, or potentially part three if we've miscounted. We don't really know. <laughs> i don't try i don't try ladies and gentlemen we are talking about stephanie mcmahon in quite possibly the creepiest part of her entire fucking career that's right when her father's former enemy is trying to make her kiss women on television who's directing the segments her own father saying things like whore 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 well stephanie got those big old jugs um welcome to stephanie mcmahon as the general well, the, manager what do you think that hunter I mean, is like is i hate this is this is she is newly married she's off television this is how they bring her back as the new gm of smackdown Essentially just rehashing her as the princess of hardcore, totally mm -hmm. not evolving her gimmick. It's really fucking annoying and boring and stupid. Well, what they do is Bischoff is a better heel, so they make Stephanie a babyface, and they kind of forget the but fact that- she's not believable that... as a babyface. Here's the issue, Stephanie- Exactly. They set up Stephanie so well as a spoiled person on their television, you never believe that she is a good guy. You always believe Shane is capable of being a good guy, and he should always be used as the babyface. Stephanie should always be used as the heel. And he t she's not a, she doesn't have, she's a genuine rich person, which is very different than a genuine middle class or poor person. Stephanie McMahon, I'm sure she's had a lot of adversity in her life. She has wanted for nothing. She's had a job since she was 12. Yeah. Her life was so privileged, she is the only woman involved in wrestling that was shocked to hear that uh, the fabulous Moolah was a, was a pimp. Do you understand how pampered your life is? That you look at that woman and assume that she's not in the sex industry. Yeah. 
Oh, Mula, Mula, what's that? What's that knife for? <laughs> oh, sweetie, you don't want to know. But if I have to fucking show you, <laughs> know, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my bumps knife and I got my business knife. Mm. Oh, there is my granddaughter Stephanie. That's me, fabulous Mula. I'm off to her kindergarten to slowly scar the other girls' faces. So <laughs> here's how I think parties went down in the McMahon house when they were kids. Shane would have a banger party. This is how they come off, at least. Shane would have a banger party because Vince wasn't home. You know what I mean? We're talking classic teen movie party. Stephanie would go around the party um, just lambasting anyone for getting too near the silverware. Uh, I, that's how it come. That's how they came here's off. Here's how I. over how it came off. Here's how I guarantee it was. They both were pretty ostracized because for rich people. Their dad is scumbag new money rich, and they grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut. So you're literally dealing with the uh, the Rockefellers and all of the like landed gentry of America, and they because they live on the same street as Ron Howard, so they're mm-hmm. on the new money side of town. So Shane was really like beers at my house, and then someone named Cyr- uh, like Cyril was like, oh, "You still drinking beer, McMahon? I don't think so. Now, if you excuse me, I'm off to uh, uh, commit sodomy." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the richest people call it sodomy. Anal sex. I sodomize Janine. Yes. Oh, anal sex. What do I refer to my mink as? A cat coat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. Um, it must be weird. I've talked about this with other people, but it's like, it must... Whitney Cummings said this. She was a comedian who used to be a model, but it's like... She was said she was the ugliest model, but then she obviously steps into comedy, and it's just people yeah. who are like, "Is that a birthmark or a rash?" Oh, could be both, you know. So, so she's used to kind of being like made fun of, and now she's thrust into like the high status. It must be weird for the McMahon family because within within the circle of people that are their peers, they're for sure a the poorest. And be the most looked down on because it's like most billionaires have done something that like you could talk about at a party, not like, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan, you know, that sex tape. I'm the one who made him racist. <laughs> he used to think they were equal, but then he joined my company. You know, Bubba the Love Sponge. That's actually me. <laughs> um. <laughs> I made it up, Hogan. Imagine <laughs> the exact thing that happened with the higher power, but with Bubba the Love Sponge. It was me, Hogan. <laughs> yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. You fucked me. Ha <laughs> I. You fucked me, Hogan. I guarantee you, uh, Vince talks about. You're coming back, and it's going to be for minimum wage. And I'm charging you by the time you're in the ring. You get $15 for every hour you're in the ring. I guarantee fucking that Vince McMahon talks about wrestling the way he talks about it in interviews, where it's like, Vince, what do you do? I make <laughs> stories. And they're like, what the fuck is he talking about? He says, that, I guarantee he said that to Ron Howard. I make movies, Ron Howard. No, you don't. 
I don't know. I think he affect. Like I think that. See, Stephanie's a very interesting one because Vince is very adversarial and clearly was never taught anything like about how to deal with the press. Whereas Stephanie is, and well, I guess we'll get into that in something. We're going to see how long it takes to talk about the SmackDown general manager thing. But Stephanie is so like, she's so taught in that way. She's like an athlete. She never, she's like an athlete. She's like a vice president of a company. She's never says anything angrily, even on Howard Stern, her Howard Stern interview. She has like grace, even while they're basically being like, when your pussy hole is shitting, which, what, what does it look like? You got some yellow shits coming out of there. And she'll actually find a way to turn that into being about like, oh, I guess I never did think about charity that way. Absolutely. That's a great point. That said, from all of the reports backstage, she's hell on earth. She's she's the she's one of the main issues with direct. Oh, of she's course. Father's main fucking. She's the Luca Brasi to his fucking Marlon Brando's character, Don Corleone. Um, and it's. <laughs> yeah, I also remember Luca Brasi more than Don Corleone. I've only seen The Godfather once, and I only just watched that episode where he got strangled. I the episode. Fuck. I'll stop joking. Um, the thing with Stephanie McMahon is you can you can no no no, no. the episode of the Godfather you can abs- the worst description of the God it's by a, it's about a guy who gets choked by a fish and then some stuff happens near a car park. Um, uh, the thing with Stephanie, especially yeah, yeah, a guy Frank Sinatra sings and other stuff could occur. They have a wedding and then he finds oranges. That's and it. This moment, this is before she assumes power, but this is where she is. Driving the creative direction of the company. <laughs> By the way, also, this is the big downturn in their company that they have never recovered from is 2002. They have had blips where they've alluded to the attitude. Well, because 2002 was when they were like, yeah, 2002 is when they, and Stephanie is a huge part of this. The thing is, Stephanie's character isn't that interesting, but she does warrant a lot of talking and not just because of the behind the scenes stuff, because she is the fucking poster person for them just ramming what they want down the wrestling fans throat to the point where they left to the point where I would say, honest to God, I would say this. I was thinking about this because they were talking about AEW was talking about, they're not going to do a show on WrestleMania weekend. And I think that if indie, if those indie promotions that do all that stuff, WrestleMania weekend, it would never happen. But like, just we're like, okay, we'll just go with AEW now. I think WrestleMania would take a big hit because I honestly think that's way bigger allure than seeing WrestleMania. Yeah, it's the allure is that it's a whole weekend of events. I was just thinking about this, and you're absolutely right that if they just did it around AEW, it would be way bigger. Here's the crazier thing. I think the WWE is the most successful company at they tell their consumers what product they should be buying. Their consumers go no, and the WWE goes yeah, and then acts like it was a success. I don't care how we feel about John Cena now. He was never as impactful with the people that are actually spending the money as the WWE is portraying him. If you don't believe me, and but 2002 is the beginning of the rise of the setup of the next wave. John Cena is doing Steve Austin's podcast. Steve Austin on the podcast, uh, John Cena brings up the fact that like they have a bond of like they were like the faces of the company, and Steve Austin points out 
because Steve Austin is an old school kind of dick. Yeah, but I sold out those buildings. They haven't been selling out buildings in 17 years consistently in the way they had been and it's all due to the direction and the decisions they start taking in 2002 go ahead dylan i couldn't hear you i, was how, I say house shows house shows is the big thing i remember i went to a house show and just it the last thing that happened at the house show no that's what i mean cool like uh house shows are the thing like that's fucking crazy anyone could sell the tv because the tvs were like things happen that's an episode of the thing. That's an episode of your show. House shows are the one where you, you, you want to sell them out. That means you're actually fucking going crazy. The house show business is always indicative of how hot the show is. Because that means, like, regularly, I don't care if they do anything. I just need to see these people, right? Yeah, my friend Adrian went to a house show, and <laughs> the Too Cool just, uh, the, the, the audience chanted, uh... <laughs> The word bag, but with an F. Yep, yep, yep. Was that the same house show where our friend Adam Christie invented the what chant? I, it's the best thing I've ever seen anyone do in my life. I invented I invented. That. God bless Adam for saying that and then seeing how angry people got and then just rolling with it. It's one of the funniest things. <laughs> Brennan Burns literally says he invented fandangoing. Adam Christie just says he invented the what chant just to make wrestling fans angry. It's very funny. Both, by the way, both both of them are wrong and stand by that conviction. Brendan's explanation as to um, how he invented the fandango chant being that they are dancing like he dances is the is the greatest moment of my life, I'm pretty sure. And by the way, because of us saying that, he is calling me and explaining to me that he did invent that chant. <laughs> I love bullshitting so much. The It's so good. You know about that comedian Dan Ninen? It's the best. He's the most Canadian comedian and or pro wrestler I've ever seen in quite some time. This guy is Jim Cornette would love Dan Ninen. Dan Ninen is literally the type of person who would get into wrestling in the 60s. So Dan Ninen is this comedian 35. who, um, on the basic way, the easiest way to talk about this, he's, he's, oh, he's a bad comedian, and this will happen all the time, where bad comedians can go directly to whatever company, and since they're carnies, not unlike wrestlers, they can just convince that company that they are actually a very good comedian and get some money. Now, Mr. Ninen has been doing, and this is not an exaggeration, he's been doing interviews for 20 years saying he was 35. He's 55 now. He's been doing interviews for 20 years saying he's 55. He protects his, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, 35. He's actually, and he's actually 55. He protects his age and his, like, secrets with... So much like vigor and if you go on his website, he just says all these things he's been featured on. They're all lies. Um, he emails other comedians while he just saying he's doing these gigs and crazy parts of the world and he's flying first class and telling them they're fucking losers <laughs> and enjoy their drug, them being drug addicts and. The man psycho. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, just to make it clear, Brendan Burns is just delusional and, and 
does think he invented the Fandango, Chad, and, and that does not make him a bad person. He's a great, excellent man, and, and we both love him. Dan Ninen is a piece of shit. Yeah. So just so none of you fucks go running to Brendan to start trouble. Don't you fucking start trouble. Come monkeys. You keep your keep your come in the keep our come in the cage. That's the news. Yeah. Keep our keep the come in the cage. Um yeah. look up the rise and fall of Dan Ninen on YouTube. It's a poorly made documentary cuz the guy has no budget, but it's made with an idea, and that idea is this guy's mad at Dan Ninen. <laughs> Keep her coming, the cannon. There you go, baby. So it's been it's been a full two hours. We should probably start ta- actually talking about the Stephanie McMahon general manager. July eighteenth, two thousand two. As aforementioned, she starts as a babyface, even though there's nothing to like about her. What she does to become a babyface? Classic. She throws Eric Bischoff out of the building. Eric Bischoff um, is just such an alpha heel. And I don't think gets enough praise for how amazing a heel he is. And I think that he is as natural a performer as Vince McMahon was. And I think that they both really helped their companies get I don't I was what I was trying to think of was how who's a better performer Vince or Eric Bischoff and I think they do the same thing in such different ways that it's fucking fascinating like that's the crazy thing to me is like how Vince McMahon is like the loud psychopath billionaire and Eric Bischoff is just this smug fucking uh kind of like before it was a thing he's the guy who you envision being in a tech startup where they're like He's trying to act like he knows what's going on, but he does not. Like, uh, see what we do is we have an app that aggregates. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a nerd. I get pussy, so these nerds will tell you. What I do is I'm a conduit. Yeah, he's a. Eric Bischoff is a smarmy piece of shit. And by the way, Eric Bischoff was a more hateable bad guy. The issue with it was Vince McMahon had better people preparing his show and better people around him to bounce off of. That is true. Therefore, is remembered as the better heel. Well, Vince McMahon also was, like, Bischoff never was funny. Bischoff was always earnest. Like, like, uh, for instance, the most, one of the most. No, Bischoff, the other thing is WCW was never, WCW was the worst. WCW always tried to be funny. It never worked. It was, um, it's, it's the same thing when Triple H tries to be funny. His jokes are like, always are like, uh, uh, okay, then what happens is uh, Rey Mysterio comes out and uh, <laughs> he's the world champion. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, Triple H is very like, he's just the trying. You can just see the trying, whereas like Vince is such a cartoony heel, like the where Austin obviously brings the beer truck to the ring and hoses him down and Vince is swimming. You know what I mean? Or Vince's walk. That's true, but it's also the bedrock of that the bed but hang on, and just to juxtapose it with uh Stephanie McMahon's babyface turn. The bedrock of him becoming a crazy guy was set where the first year of the McMahon uh Austin, Austin. Feud, he was very grounded and only would scream and shout and say crazy things a bit. Inversely, switching Stephanie Babyface by kicking Eric Bischoff out in a way works but also doesn't because Eric Bischoff is the heel everyone wants to see. If you're going to move on to another heel authority figure, completely move away 
from the media and have him overseeing both shows and pitting them against each other for his own sick games. And eventually you can bring a McMahon back to counter him. But don't do it immediately. Also, don't bring in Eric Bischoff this close after the invasion is over. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I mean, this is a really them giving you... This is really, I don't know what analogy you can say, but th- this is they gave you the head of WCW and uh, and the NWA's greatest star uh, immediately after the story that they for sure uh, 100% should have been a part of. And I don't even think Bischoff had any dealings with the NWO directly, did he? Uh, no, he was gone. He arrived after the NWO had come and, come and gone, I believe. Bischoff came much later than everyone else. No, NWO was before them. No, NWO was after them. No, this is 2002. It's back down, 2002. Let's see the NWO debut in WWE. Uh, do you want to look that up or should I? I think the NWO, because the NWO in the WWE are very short. Oh, yes. It was very short. I think the I think the NWO was, I think the NWO was, was this, was this WrestleMania and by the summer of this, they're basically, it's gold dust and Booker T wearing wigs. And that's what the NWO. Oh, you're right. No way, no way out 2002. Eric Bischoff. Cause yeah, Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff. W- yeah. Cause they do a debut at no way out 2002. Um, and Bischoff makes his debut. Um, start reading something. Cause I'll, I gotta find this date. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, so it's 2002. Stephanie McMahon uh, takes the reins of SmackDown. Uh, a couple of things that you have to um, keep in mind. The first big move that she made was to, quote-unquote, steal Brock Lesnar for her brand on July 22nd. Um, uh, then, uh, on August the 1st, she stole uh, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. Uh, on Raw, Eric Bischoff uh, has been told that Brock Lesnar is the undisputed champion. It will be exclusive to SmackDown. Eric Bischoff creates the world title by pulling it out of a bag and handing it to Triple H, the stupidest thing that's ever fucking happened. Stephanie convinces The Undertaker to jump to SmackDown. SmackDown um, uh, then gets a giant blow when uh, the Rick and Chuck ceremony happens. We covered that during Billy Gunn and Eric Bischoff, so go listen to that. Oh, and Chuck Palumbo's episode as well. It's not, it's not Billy Billy and Chuck, not Rick and Chuck. <laughs> Rick and Chuck is our friend's sketch troupe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they're kids in rap, and it's, it's weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can't do that stuff anymore. Look up Rick and Chuck. Uh, September 16th, in revenge for what happens to Billy and Chuck, uh, Stephanie and a group of women dresses the IOW, or International Organization for Women, are about to be attacked by two men. Stephanie comes out and kicks Eric Bischoff in the balls, uh, sending uh, Eric Bischoff into a giant ex- obsession of Stephanie performing hot lesbian action with a big, ugly lesbian, who turned out to be... So did you find the dates, you fuck? Yeah, uh, Bischoff was in uh, July, and the w- and NWO was in March, so yeah, it was about three months, and then they had already fucking dumped everything because of the Hogan-Rock match at WrestleMania. And that they didn't know what to do with the NWO, and it didn't make any sense to have the NWO and the WWE, although the idea that it was Vince McMahon poisoning his own company was kind of an co- interesting concept, but still. Yeah, what are you going to do? Anyway, it's rehashes are always weird, but 
this I think this is very important. The fact that Stephanie officially steals Lesnar from Raw. Uh, she steals Benoit and Guerrero, and then makes Rock Lesnar exclusive to SmackDown, um, and convinces the Undertaker to jump to SmackDown. Now, what I think for these is basically that Stephanie. This is very much Vince still booking, fuck you, Eric Bischoff, WCW isn't around anymore. The storyline is, McMahon will always beat a Bischoff, you can't beat my daughter. Rather than the more interesting storyline, which would be, Eric Bischoff has done this before and Stephanie can't keep up. Like, it's way more of a babyface thing to have her dad mocking her and being like why the fuck can't you beat this guy we beat him so easily and her saying like i don't understand why he's against bischoff when they could just be like ted turner was the problem and blah 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 bischoff's actually really smart what the fuck do i do and raw gets all of these like great characters and stuff and smackdown you can't have smackdown be a shit show but at this time, with the ratings and how they were, and the fact that obviously it's before streaming and everything, people, if they want to watch wrestling, have to fucking sit down and watch it. They can't just, like, catch the highlights online and be satisfied with that. But, like, immediately they make her an alpha, which this is, and this is the character that I think has hurt wrestling more than anything, is Stephanie is the alpha. Because, like, you've heard the Dusty Road story. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, in three weeks or whatever, but the Dusty Road story... Where Stephanie kept trying to get the last word on Dusty Rhodes, but Dusty Rhodes wouldn't let her because he's Dusty Rhodes. And then they never let him be on TV again because he wouldn't follow the script. And you basically have to kowtow and just... If, if Stephanie can't seem less than on television. She always has to get the last word. And I think that's really bad because obviously she's not a wrestler. Stephanie McMahon is never going to main event at WrestleMania. Yeah, it's and just to talk about that Dusty Rhodes story of the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's Dusty fucking Rhodes. Just let him fucking have this. The man is still working after 50... He died working because he spent all of his money on mink coats trying to keep up with Ric Flair in a pissing contest, which is, by the way, of his own words, why he had no money. Yeah. Let him have the last fucking... Who gives a... Yeah, he can't follow rules. You know who else can't follow rules? Chris Benoit. You still fucking put him on the network, for fuck's sake. Well, Stephanie McMahon literally would be like, if J. Jonah Jameson always got the upper hand on Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man's just like, what? Hey, I know how you're getting these fucking pictures. You're Spider-Man. Anyway, get out there. And then uh, Spider-Man's like, well, I guess this guy's better than me. <laughs> and then you're like, why the fuck am I watching Spider-Man? Now, why don't I watch a show about J. Jonah Jameson? Stephanie can't do cool shit. She's not good at wrestling. So why is she the alpha character? And we're going to talk about this for three more fucking weeks because this is the entirety of what it is. Like, um, and then Bishop just becomes a creep. Well, this is the biggest problem. This is also the first, but this is also the problem with the WWE. And these are all the seeds of now have spurred it into a giant smelly tree. Um, 17 years later or however long it's been. Yeah. 17 years ago. Yeah. Zooks. Um, is the fact, the very simple, that Stephanie should not have been in a position to be the head of creative. She should not have been in a position uh, to tell anyone who was of a higher status what she should have done. Vince McMahon 
clearly favors his children and wants them to take over the business. And the best way to do that is to go, you actually have to work harder than everyone else because they're assuming favoritism. If she's going to be back on television, she should not have been back in television this quickly. And they should have gone in a completely different direction. Also, having it be Bischoff versus McMahon makes... I've never understood the whole Raw versus SmackDown nonsense. They've never done anything to differentiate the shows. Like, you could do simple things. Switch what side the hard camera was on. If you'll notice, WCW and WWF had it from two different sides, always. So you subconsciously knew which product you were watching. Yeah, little things that they just didn't do. That I mean, but that's like, there's such a myriad of like, where Vince wants SmackDown and Raw to be separate brands, but also doesn't, because... He wants everything to be WWF still. And that's really more just like, how far will he let go? But he's a micromanager guy, so that's... I mean, it's it's so weird. The, the, the SmackDown Raw thing, you could do an entire whole series on, like, the specific episodes that they have done of the shows where they tried to take one step into differentiating it, and then they just take two steps back in the next episode. Um... So here's some fun. What's stuff. also very interesting is this is also the this, but this is also the seeds of SmackDown's biggest period and the SmackDown Six and all that sort of stuff, because quite hilariously yeah. they shackle Stephanie with the opposite of Stephanie, a sweaty fat man named Paul who only eats General Chow's ch- chicken, extra chicken, extra walnuts, and he starts trying to take over <laughs> uh, SmackDown, and um molded into his own image and it is heralded as as the most creatively interesting part of the wwe's modern era which isn't even now that modern but it's an interesting juxtaposition that stephanie is trying to they uh they he does a great job with smackdown but then vince weirdly has convinced himself that smackdown is wcw so he makes SmackDown gradually worse over time. What a weird thing we watch. It's not, I guarantee his logic is it's not Raw. That's his problem with it. Yeah, exactly. Raw, Raw is, to him, Raw is WWF and SmackDown is WCW. And that makes... All right. Couldn't even begin to make sense in my head. Anyway. Um, we're going to take a break because we've been talking for a long time and we're going to get back with the creepy parts of Stephanie and Eric Bischoff. And also we'll talk about Vince McMahon's affair with Sable after the break. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been putting a cup on my skin mound where my dick is. So it actually makes my cock bigger. That's the start of this ad. Oh, let's go to (laughs) patreon.com backslash wrestler review. And donate, and donate to us. $5 gets you exclusive access to our Patreon feed and episodes ahead of time. For 25 bucks, you can select a wrestler to review. One guy did buck Zumoff, who's a pedophile rapist, and we still reviewed him. God damn it, we have no allegiances. Go to Patreon to hear the Buck Zumoff episode, also known as the time where two friends are pushed to the fucking edge. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Patreon.com backslash rest review or rate us on iTunes. Subscribe. Throw yourself out a fucking window. Who gets a shit? Oh, we're back and get ready for the creepiest half hour in podcasting. Just Dylan reading from his childhood dur- journal. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
And then the fucking babysitter sucked me off times every day of my life. Boom. Uh, did you ever? You had a live journal. I call my wife the babysitter. <laughs> Why? You're the babysitter. <laughs> suck the baby now. <laughs> now you have to suck the baby. I like recording this podcast where one of us is always it's the afternoon and the other one it's always the morning. So one of us is very level yeah. and the other one is just losing his mind yeah. from exhaustion. <laughs> it is very funny to always, always, it, it always switches off where one person has been up for five hours and the other person's been up for half an hour. Yeah. And that's why I like just... I think it'll be like the whole Billy Gunn series. You just hear John be like, oh, thanks for coming to. Oh, God. Uh, The wrestler review. Yeah, the entire. And now it's me. Is basically me just in a dream. Uh, And then he then he then he pinned my high school gym teacher, Mr. Romero. (laughs) Romero taught us sexual education. And I remember he made me fail a quiz because my pen didn't work. And he said, you should be more prepared. And I was like, well, I brought a pen. And then he was like, I don't have to help you. And I always remember thinking, yeah, that's what a teacher actually is supposed to do, is supposed to help his students. Just have some extra pens, Mr. Romero, you fucking bitch. Yeah. Also, Mr. Romero, you're dead, and that day made me happy. There you go, baby. Get right in there. World's a better place. World's a better place. You were the HPV of people. Go ahead, Dylan. There you go. It's the summer of 2000. It's the summer of 2003. And between the summer of 2002 and the summer of 2003, this was all Stephanie had to do was avoid getting fucked by Eric Bischoff and or a bunch of women paid by Eric Bischoff. He said this, did Eric Bischoff, basically the scenes where, for those of you that don't know, at a Halloween party... Stephanie and Eric Bischoff uh, shared a kiss while Stephanie was dressed as a witch and Bischoff was disguised as her father underneath a mask. And the only person that wanted to do this was Vince McMahon. Eric Bischoff was uncomfortable. Stephanie was uncomfortable. Vince McMahon was just spurting geysers of cum. Here's what it is. Stephanie is getting very serious with Triple H, assuming they're gonna they're getting married pretty soon after this. Or may already be married. I'm not sure exactly yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, I get confused. He knows he can't physically beat Triple H, so he creates a surrogate boyfriend for his daughter in Eric Bischoff, someone he could beat up. And that's why he liked this angle so much. <laughs> I think that after this angle, Vince and Linda had sex five times that night, and they hadn't had sex in years. I guarantee, and I guarantee he actually let her be Linda. Like, he didn't make her put on a mask of another woman. Like, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't go, you're Sable. She actually got to be Linda. <laughs> you mean no pig mask, Vince? Yes, no pig mask. I guarantee Vince McMahon has made Jim Ross watch uh, him and Linda fuck. Like, he just came into his office with Linda, made Jim do paperwork while he fucked his wife on the desk. Ah, 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 that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is directly from Bischoff. Was, uh, I think it was a live segment, and as I am doing it, I can hear the crowd reacting, even though I was in a remote arena. 
But I can hear a reaction for the crowd thinking, holy shit, this is going to be great. Then it got dropped and it was like, boom, gone. Never spoken of again. And it was really weird. It was more weird for me than having Vince McMahon standing there directing me as I make out with his daughter. His direction was very animated, but we did it and then it's gone. It's like, what the fuck? So basically, good point. If you're going to cross this river, why not keep going? Because there was like... The logical conclusion, again, would be then Stephanie is now marrying another man within the business, and then it's a McMahon, it's a, it'll be a rehash of the McMahon-Helmsley era, or it is a higher power era, uh, era gimmick where it doesn't really pay off. Like, there's no, there actually is no upside to it, so they shouldn't have ever done it, let alone started it and not finished it. Yeah, exactly. Now, 2003, in the summer, Vince, uh, <laughs> Stephanie's trying to cock block her dad, from fucking fucking Sable on the air. And there's a weird segment where John Cena requested that Stephanie rip Sable's top off and that he be allowed to slap Stephanie's butt. She agreed. He slapped her butt. Then she, then she went backstage, fought Sable, and ripped her uh, ripped her top off, briefly exposing her to-dos on air. This, by the way... Remember, as we've talked about, she sued the company for sexual harassment, and then her entire character was, I get to sexually harass you. Yes. <laughs> and then Vince McMahon got the final laugh by convincing uh, Brock that he should try and fuck Sable, and now Sable lives in a remote cabin somewhere in Montana with like eight children all named Bo and Duke and John Deere and Budweiser. <laughs> This is my uh, this is my son trucks with a lift. Yeah, this is my other son Pantera, and then of course <laughs> Megatallic Death. <laughs> this is my son Pantera, uh, and this is my daughter Backstreet Boys. Get it? She's gay. <laughs> I have a varied musical taste, and I don't see any humor in it. Yeah. It's this is the this is the apex, by the way, of Vince McMahon trying to reclaim the glory days of the Attitude Era by going crazier. Because at the same time, he's also trying to beat up a one-legged man. Because you understand everything about the Attitude Era was basically like this is all the lowbrow shit that wrestling fans have always wanted. Because wrestling fan is the live play art form of the lower class white person, right? That's what wrestling is. I shouldn't say lower class. It's always it's always kind of marketed to the lower class white person but like wrestling is the wrestling is the 100 meter dash in the redneck arts and the redneck arts of course being skeet shooting driving a truck uphill in mud and professional wrestling and getting your wife pregnant those are the four things that rednecks getting yeah i'm gonna fuck your wife i'm gonna skeet i'm gonna drink and i'm gonna watch an ultimate warrior dvd on one of those weird portable dvd players that were replaced by computers very soon afterwards oh (laughs) yeah those things also another one is having the most beers before you break the seal while you're drinking (laughs) oh that's 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 i'm not making a joke here one time 12 beers, no pissing. He's a legend. That's highly, by the way, a Canadian move. And I remember explaining to someone, no, it's not about breaking the seal. It's just the simple fact that you haven't had to pee because it takes that long for it to process. So you've had like nine beers. That's the first two beers. And then the next two beers, that's why you're peeing all the time. And then they look at me being like, nah, you fucking momo. It's because you broke the seal. (laughs) (laughs) 
breaking the seal. You gotta fucking not piss. Otherwise, you'd be pissing all night. That's what they say. So, she is involved in the Zach Gowan angle. Zach Gowan and Stephanie McMahon beat the big show with help from Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. So, what she is, is she's kind of like... This is the other weird thing where Stephanie isn't a seasoned enough performer to carry the show. So, while she is given the 1A role... Vince McMahon is the alpha heel on the show still. Like, Vince McMahon very much is still the overseer of the show. When, if you're going to do this angle, then the GM has to be the number one character, so you have to get off of television. But Vince always puts himself in this... In this Vince always put him... Vince created a position that's higher than the authority. So, like, it'd be like if Jack Tunney wanted to fuck in 1993. Like, Vince is always the one. It's break in case of bad ratings yeah. is what Vince McMahon's character has always been. Now, like, sorry, it's always been. Even, like, last 10 years. Even the fans, by the way, do not want him on television. No, he gets a big pop because people fucking love him. But, like, they don't want him to, on television regularly. Um, he doesn't get that big of a pop anymore. He's been on that when he came out to announce the wildcard ruling, they booed the fuck out of him. Well, that now he's like, now everyone's just tired of WWF, but like he'll never say the words that everyone's thinking, which is you can just not watch, and then just like, where do you live? Point at a guy in the audience and just like get a piece of paper of like activities they can do at the community center that will enrich their lives. <laughs> Pottery, judo. Yoga, any of these things you can do. I'm in. Ver- I haven't. Like, I still haven't watched WrestleMania from this year. Like, I just am like, I don't care. And uh, it's too much, man. It's too. It's just so fucking like. And there's no build. I was watching. So I watched the. Uh, this is dating when this podcast was, but the most recent UFC. I won't because we recording this ahead of time, so I won't date this too much. But the most recent UFC, every UFC event has such a natural build. By which I mean. The main there's a there's a prelims so there's a fight pass prelims which is available only on their app, then there's the prelims on television and then there's the paid portion of the show which costs sixty dollars. Now the prelims for fight pass only has the nerds in the crowd. It's all nerds. So you're looking at an arena of eighteen thousand. You probably got two thousand people in there, and it creates this cool atmosphere where it's just two guys fighting and it looks like two guys fighting in a parking lot. Then you get the uh, the prelims that are on television. Arena's a bit more full. Now it's people who are working class. They paid fucking 150 bucks for this ticket. God damn it, I'm watching four hours of fights. Then you get to the main card. Arena's full now, and they adjust the lighting. Now in the WWE, obviously, they never change the lighting. So it's seven hours of the same fucking level of, that you're supposed to be interested in. If they did a seven-hour show, but they expected no... All right, no one's going to watch hour one, but they expect you to watch hour one. And that is... Like, you can do a seven-hour show... Just don't have expectations that, like, it's going to be a banger. And book it so it's, like, slowly the matches are more and more important. That's all you need to do. You can still have your seven-hour show. I mean, a lot of people complain about UFCs being six hours long, but it's, like, the way they do it makes a lot of sense. It's also, by the way, UFC isn't asking you to watch six hours of everything you've paid for. UFC was smart with how they rolled out their app, which is they have exclusive content for the nerds who they know are paying for it. Then they have the stuff for everyone who are just going to pop in, and then they have the actual pay-per-view, which is how they should have done the network, by the way. 
it's now been proven that them thinking pay-per-view was going to go away completely was absolutely wrong, and they should have looked how their competition was reacting to the pay-per-view marketplace as opposed to what they did do, which is, oh, we'll just eliminate that profit center to us and rely wholly on our television rights, which is short-term uh, cash for long-term getting fucked in the ass. Yeah, and now you've made yourself a basically a TV show, which is, and TV's going bye-bye slowly, so. Anyway. Adventures. Vince McMahon beats Zach Gallon one-on-one because why not? The hype of this match began on May 22nd, 2003 during an episode of SmackDown where Gallon, who, as we all know, had his left leg amputated at eight years old, said he wanted to wrestle in WWE. Vince, however, ordered po- the police to arrest him. The best. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Careful. He'll, he'll spread his disease. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephanie eventually becomes... The please don't beat up this one-legged man. How many awkward questions do you think Vince McMahon asked of a one-legged man? How do you dance? <laughs> You've heard that story where they hired Zach Gowan. Uh, John Laurinaitis was like, hire the one uh, one-legged wrestler. So he's like, all right, and he just hired another one-legged wrestler. Yeah, he hired the wrong guy. That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, so. Vince beats Zach Gowan for some reason, even though Zach Gowan can do all this impressive shit like his corkscrew moonsault. Um, Smack- August 14th on SmackDown, A-Train beats Stephanie in a match. To se- except- <laughs> even <laughs> The Undertaker tried to save her, which Big Show stopped. Um, as a result, she's off TV for a short while until returning at SummerSlam by slapping, Pable, uh, slapping Sable post The Undertaker beating A-Train. October 2nd, SmackDown, Vince gives Stephanie McMahon the opportunity to resign as general manager, but Stephanie refuses, and they set up an I Quit match between Vince and Stephanie because, you know what? It'll never stop. <laughs> the McMahon storylines will never stop. I, I've i never watched this WWE of this period. I hate WWE at this period. I don't care about Stephanie McMahon. And also, by the way, at this moment right here, why doesn't Jim Cornette ever fucking go after Vince McMahon for this sort of shit? I understand what Vince Russo has done. Legitimately, I'm so, I am absolutely appalled that Jim Cornette isn't every week just, and that fucking cunt, cunt. Like, it's a father and daughter having a match. Who gives a fuck? That's the crazy thing, where it's like, this is literally the craziest storyline if you say this like six years earlier, but they've just done it so much like Vince and Shane and Stephanie and Linda and any combination of those four have had so many fucking matches that you can't ever go back to zero once you've done one of those matches. And they so rarely adjust the storyline to the fact that Stephanie has beat up Linda and Linda has beat up Shane and Vince has beat up like Stephanie and Stephanie has beat up Vince. They've never, they don't adjust the storyline. They just always go from point zero, which is this is the first time you've ever seen this. They're never like, oh, shrug, it's fucking doing it again. And like, again, I don't mind McMahon versus Hulk Hogan. I have a bit of a problem with that because Hulk Hogan should have been able to clearly beat McMahon. Um, But the best one is. Stephanie or Shane versus Vince should have been the last ever McMahon match ever. They should never have gotten in the ring together ever again, any member of that family. Yeah, of course. They should have just been figureheads, but anyway. Like, I don't understand. There's, anyway, millions of things. Like, if you're going to have Stephanie McMahon be an authority figure, she has to kowtow to the alphas on the show, but they'll never do that because they're convinced that, like, Every, the, the, the chance that someone could become the rock and have them over the coals 
for being a big movie star, which I don't think they understand that that is not inherently connected to being the double in like pushed. Like I guarantee Vince thinks like, oh, the only reason Batista was in Guardians of the Galaxy is because we pushed him so hard. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the amount of work he did to get himself into that position. Yeah, no, it has not. I guarantee that's exactly it. Yeah. Like when Nathan Jones was in Troy against the that movie with Brad Pitt, he was like, "Biggest, do you see what a push will do for you? Do you see what a WrestleMania push will do for you? Yeah. By the way, he was in that movie for five seconds and then gets stabbed in the neck. But now he's an actor full time. And has the craziest Instagram of all time. Look up Nathan Jones. Really? How crazy is it? How many fat women with big butts are on it? Because I know that's all you look at on Instagram. No, this one's crazy. It's just about like, um, I will find it. Give me one second. Um, So how does the I Quit match end, John? I have to be honest. Um, My notes gave out and stopped loading, so I don't know how it ends. I'm going to guess Triple H comes out and hits Stephanie with a sledgehammer. No. Am I close? Worse. Worse. Oh, Sable comes out, hits Stephanie with a sledgehammer. They end up scissoring in the ring. Vince McMahon chokes his daughter with a lead pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that insane? I mean, how they've weathered the Me Too movement. Chokes his daughter with a lead pipe. How have they weathered the Me Too movement at this point? I have no idea, man. I have no motherfucking idea. As America was invading Iraq, a man from Connecticut was choking his daughter at 9.30 in the evening on a Sunday. <laughs> Good Lord. That is the best. So wh- why um, why did that happen? Uh, so Stephanie could get married to Triple H. Really? Oh, because they needed to put her out of commission. Yeah, so he's like, well, why don't I just like... We could have another match where someone beats my surrogate, and then that gets them over. No, I'll just choke you with a lead pipe. That's how we get you to be married. Listen, I need to make sure I kill some brain cells because I'm inviting Michael Hayes to your wedding. And as we covered last episode, oh, Michael had a couple of drinks. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. Michael Hayes. Oh, yeah, buddy. No one talks about how he was definitely, he, w- he was a sexual predator, and yet I still think he's one of the worst men ever to be in wrestling. Let me tell you something about me, Michael Hayes. <laughs> I don't ask permission for nothing. <laughs> yeah, he just gives a long, weird interview about consent and what it means. If they say yes to one thing, but it's not connected to the other thing, that still means yes. For instance, if I offer you a Snickers, but I wants to bang you, and you say no, you still said yes to the Snickers. Michael Hayes looks like the phrase, why didn't they just call the police if it was a person? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's good. So, Nathan Jones has 6,000 followers on Instagram. His name is Rictus Erectus. And, uh... Where is... It's just a bunch of uh, memes. It's like... So Nathan Jones, you say you would say, oh, that's a big, scary guy, right? Yeah. Uh, his Instagram is just... Is just like... It's just like a, my mom's Instagram. There's a lot, of, a lot of photos of cocks? It's just memes. It's just memes <laughs> of, like, facts that you found on the internet that aren't true. Fuck, I found a crazy one. Anyway. What you're trying to say is uh, Nathan Jones has done a hard Brexit. He's gone real alt-right. <laughs> no, no, he's left-wing. Oh, interesting. Nathan Jones 
his Instagram would be like a bartender who's 60. Oh, I gotcha. He's one of those people that talks about Facebook like it's a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a lot of like Dosecki's guy memes and shit like that. Anyway, I'll delete this part. Um, John. Do not delete this at all. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, the meandering. And then I'll look at a guy's Instagram. Uh, so they have the wedding and basically this starts not until, so we got a full eight years before Stephanie becomes a on-screen character regularly again, which everyone reacted. This is, I think this says it best. When you get a big pop, when you come back, even if you were a heel, that means you did a good job as that character. Eight years later, when Stephanie comes back out as the authority, people could give a fucking shit. Like... I don't think anyone thinks about that. Like, you're always a babyface when you come back because people recognize you and that you did a good job, basically. Face or heel. You, oh, I liked this. I liked watching them. And then if people are like, oh, it's this fucking guy, then... John, what's the best thing about Stephanie McMahon as the general manager of SmackDown? Uh, that she's not that anymore. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, it's really more of the same, isn't it? I think he can only do. I think he can only do worst, and I think the worst thing about it um, is that Stephanie um, was put as a babyface and put in a major role. On they seem to have a problem accepting that Shane McMahon isn't a wrestler, and they seem to have a problem with the fact that Stephanie McMahon can only be she can only play the businesswoman in The Simpsons, essentially. Yeah, well, the problem that they have is the editor of. If this was a publishing company, the editor does not know how novels are structured. Yeah. So the idea is she's a bad guy. She's always been a bad guy. She's she's Darth Vader. The reason why Star Wars has to end where it does is the only thing that's believable is that Darth Vader dies and in the last moment asks for forgiveness. No one would ever believe Darth Vader is now a good guy on the side of the rebellion. Stephanie McMahon can only ever be used as a bad guy because she is absolutely the symbol for wrestling fans of everything that's wrong with wrestling. It's a very good point. And also, I mean, sounds weird, but the politics of the time is it's like people just did not like women at all in 2002. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Don't get us. Everyone needs to be aware of this. Um, people started thinking of women as truly people in... I'm going to say 2000 and wrestling specifically wrestling. It was two years ago. Yeah, no, I, that's what I was going. I'm uh, sorry. That's what I meant to say in wrestling. Women were people 2015. <laughs> that might be generous. Yeah. And it was mostly, yeah, it was 2015. It was that WrestleMania where they were like, they're no longer whores. They're women. Yeah, and the I'd say the best thing about Stephanie uh, during this time is that she got married, and I think that's nice. The worst thing, I think, is that she uh, kissed Eric Bischoff, Vince spunked everywhere, and then they just dropped that angle. I mean, you've given two worst ofs. Now let me, let me give my worst of. Um, wor uh, promos. Her promos at this time were rambling. She was doing her uh, an impression of her future husband. Yeah, she's really, really was bad. Bad. Bad for business, bad on television, bad in general. She hurt the fans' feelings, to quote Jim Cornette. Ladies and gentlemen, join us next week for another full hour of us talking about Stephanie McMahon in an angry tone. 
This is going to be a weird one next week because mostly it's going to be about behind-the-scenes stuff. This is the eight years where she became the creative director of WWE. And this is the eight years really that solidified, not solidified, but during these eight years, she gets used to being the boss and truly becomes on screen a very good character because behind the scenes, she's firing people. She's fucking learning people's parents have cancer and firing them because they might take a day off if your dad gets too sick you might take a day off you're fired yes and bruce bring, pritchard brings a gun to television oh next week's gonna be a great time ladies and gentlemen thanks very much for listening guys follow dylan on twitter at dylan got follow me on twitter at the john hastings oh yeah MCS. oh yeah in your town by checking our websites and licking our <laughs> yeah follow us on wrestler review at wrestler review on twitter and instagram the wrestler review podcast on facebook get us on soundcloud and itunes please subscribe the numbers count makes us a very very happy boys and if you're a super duper fan you've been thinking about what uh, what do i want from life well do i want more come if you want more come don't click on one of those emails donate to us on patreon patreon.com backslash wrestler review patreon.com backslash wrestler review just five dollars gets you these episodes earlier than sunday mornings and you'll get extra episodes such as our buck zoom off episode our jimmy snooker episode invader 2 just all evil wrestlers thanks very much for listening guys now please Rip your dicks off, and if you don't have a dick, then just hang out. Bye-bye.